Welcome to the Smart Pacific Podcast from the PTC. Introducing more insights from ICT thought leaders in the Pacific and beyond is your host, Steve McClelland. Welcome to Smart Pacific. This episode, we're in Hong Kong, which could make a plausible case to be the world's most competitive telecoms market. These statistics speak for themselves. Hong Kong has four mobile network operators and a multitude of virtual network operators. Hong Kong sees a a penetration rate in mobile alone of nearly 250%. Added to this are 27 local fixed network operators and an astonishing 249 internet service providers. Household broadband penetration rates are nearly 93%. All this for a territory of 426 square miles and a population of a little over 7 million. So the market in Hong Kong is very competitive. But how is such a dynamic market regulated? And what's the future regulation anyway in such a market? We caught up with Agnes Wong, the Director General of Communications at the Office of the Communications Authority in Hong Kong, to answer the question. Hong Kong may have light touch regulation, but the overall toolkit turns out to be far more complicated and far more nuanced, as she explained. We are fully liberalised nowadays, and in Hong Kong, as a regulator, we adopt a very light-handed regulatory approach. We only intervene on situations where we'll impose conditions to ensure a level playing field, to ensure protection for customers, and also to ensure that the technical standards are met. So only when necessary, when someone has exploited something and abused something or or causes inconvenience to our consumers, then we will intervene. And even in that situation, whenever we want to introduce new conditions or new standards, our normal practices, we will consult the industry so that whenever we have comments and feedbacks we can take into account, make sure they are feasible, workable, fair and proportionate, then we implement that. So our telecommunications market is really, they can do their own business choices and consumers as a result, they have a lot of choices. We have four mobile network operators, which is quite a large number in terms of Hong Kong, it's just a small economy. And we have, an, in addition, 27 virtual mobile network operators. So our, our consumers, they're really very lucky. They have a lot to choose from at the very, very competitive prices. At, say, about US dollar, $11, they can enjoy very high, big data capacity. So it's indeed very cheap to consumers and highly competitive. Uh, in Hong Kong, we uh, because we adopt a very transparent uh, regulatory regime, so as I've said before, whenever we impose conditions, we will consult the industry. And also we work very closely with, with the industry, hopefully to work out some code of practice and also self-regulatory measures so that they can respond to consumers as well. And whatever our decisions, we will, we will post it on our website so everybody will know. So they have also their peer pressure to, to perform better. And for our consumers, we also have very extensive annual consumer education campaign. So they also know exactly what they should watch out for. And of course, Hong Kong consumers, they are very demanding. So they, they will complain. And the operators, they also have a, a responsibility to respond. So this is a really very interactive uh, process. So it seems that you're taking a variety of approaches in terms of regulation. Perhaps best of breed techniques? I would say so. 
We have license conditions, we have code of practice, we have cell regulatory measures, and at the same time, also have pro-competition rules. And also, you may be aware that we have a competition ordinance. That is a cross-sectoral regime. But for us, Ofca, we're responsible for the communication sector. So we have a role to play whenever there are activities or measures taken up by operators which distort or prevent competition. Then we will chip in and intervene. We have also the merger rule under the competition ordinance. Whenever there are uh, telecommunications carrier licenses, if they, if they want to merge, for instance, then we have to look at, examine each and every cases to see if there may be an effect or potential effect of substantially lessening the competition. If that is the case, then we will try to examine, and in the process, we may invite comments from the industry as well, and then we'll come to a conclusion whether that merger will potentially lessen competition. So you are emphasizing a consultative approach and one that keeps consumers well-informed. Exactly the case. And also, one very specific characteristic of Hong Kong consumers is that they are very lucky in the sense that they have too many choices. So they can just compare prices. And they already have a well-positioned to take the lead to, to choose which one. They are also very demanding. So they sometimes they direct deal with the operators and demand for better services. And if they feel they are being exploited, they also make complaints, both to the relevant operators and to us. So we will also help handle such things. Starting a couple of years ago, we worked with the industry to introduce a customer complaint settlement scheme. So that essentially is a mediation scheme to settle build dispute deadlocks between consumers and the operators, telecom operators. And we work through the industry because all the telecom operators are already members of a association, industry or association. So what we do is we work with them to implement the scheme and we provide funding to the scheme so that they have the initiative to join the mediation. And past experiences is that over 90% or even 98% of cases brought to the scheme are settled. And also throughout the process because operators, they so to speak, they don't want to bring it to the scheme. So they, they try to settle it prior to the scheme. So actually it's a, it's a very good educational effort to both the operators and also the consumers. What are your spectrum release plans for 5G? For 5G, our essential role is to prepare the necessary infrastructure so that our operators can make their own business case and to reap the full benefits of 5G. So what we're doing in the past year is to identify suitable spectrum which is available for 5G. So with a lot of effort, because the spectrum itself, many of them, they, are, they have current users. So we have to vacate them, talk to the existing users, give them advance notice. So we managed to identify a total of 4,500 megahertz of spectrum in various bands, both high frequency and lower frequency bands. That is, for us, is an unprecedented amount of spectrum because currently we only have 552 megahertz of spectrum from, for all the mobile operators to provide 2G, 3G, 4G services. So that is a quite a large amount of spectrum available. So what we're doing now is consulting the industry on the exact assignment arrangements. We aim to make a final decisions on the assignment arrangements by the end of this year. And then some of them we will adopt an administrative assignment method because supply is plenty. But for certain frequency bands, we envisage that that will be competing demands. So we will do auction. 
So there will be a series of auctions which we plan to conduct in the middle of next year. Has the 5G planning also been managed on a consultative basis with the local industry? Oh, certainly. So that's why we say that there is a process. First of all, we will um, inform the industry that we have identified this spectrum and we intend to do it for mobile services. Then we need to the consultation first because there are other existing other users which may have different views so this is the step one consultation and once we reach this agreement then we have to do the step two consultation on the exact assignment methods so we are now in in the process of doing this and thereafter uh, once we decided for instance for certain frequency band we'll go for auction then we also need to issue our auction rules and the industry they also have a chance to ask questions on exactly how you are going to do this, familiarize themselves with all those auctions so that when the auction is really conducted, they know how to do this because we do it electronically. So we have to prepare them to make sure they have all the uh, software system to, to conduct the auction. Coverage is one of the important considerations. And that's why we are also working hard to see what further assistance we can provide to the operators to help them roll out their network obligations. We impose an obligations to them, but we also want to provide whatever facilitation we can afford to do. So one important thing which we are now also working is, apart from identifying spectrum, we are also talking to relevant government departments to examine what else can we do to help them build, because for 5G, they, they need, because of the technology, they need more radio base station, they need more small cells. In such a densely populated area, you can imagine. So how, how do they build more? We're talking to relevant departments and things so that they can have more easy access to government premises, street furniture, public facilities, so that they can, according to their own network coverage, have easier access to these premises. And that is one of the challenges, because on the other side, our consumers, although they want 5G, they don't want to see all those radio stations. I think this is very natural for consumers to be concerned about, and we want to ease their concern. Otherwise, that could be a hindrance to roll our 5G network. As you look around the world, what do you think the role of the regulator should be? I think for us, we are we, we pride ourselves as being a regulator as well as a facilitator. And of course in the process, we have to take into account the interests of the public because the ultimate goal is that whatever tax savvy ideas that have to translate into real benefits to the community. Otherwise, nobody will support you because there are so many stakeholders in the community. And ultimately, if 5G cannot bring real benefits to the community, I, I think there is no point of introducing such. It's about improving the life of the people in the ultimate end. So I think as a regulator, we have to balance the interests of both. Because of course, for operators, they want to push their their business case to the, the utmost. But because we are the regulator, we have to ensure that whatever they do, the consumer's interest will be taken into account. So we are in the, in the middle of this, such as an umpire of, of both sides. Apart from 5G, what else is on your desk? We are helping the government to implement a subsidy scheme to roll our fibre-based network backbone to remote villages. Broadband penetration rate is already over 90%. But there are certain villages in remote part of Hong Kong and in out 
line islands, still using copper-based network. The reason being that the cost of laying fiber-based network is huge, but then there are not too many subscribers there. So over the years, we rely on the private sector to try to roll out, but maybe the business case is not that strong. So last year, in uh, in the policy address of the chief executive, she considered that, well, we may have to do something, essentially to provide subsidy to selected fixed network operators to roll out the fiber-based network to the entrances to these remote villages so that with the government subsidizing the, the more expensive part, there will be more incentive for operators to link up from the backbone network to within the villages so that the infrastructure will be ready and the villages can also benefit from broadband services. We are now very busy in a lot of liaison work to do. We have to liaise with the relevant district councils, there are nine of them, and also down to the around 300 villages. All these villages, they have representatives, so we have to talk to them exactly where do you want this, exactly where is the village entrance and also we talk to the operators are they prepared to do this all those we select those operators by tender and we will require those who who win this tender to open up half of the capacity to other operators so that there will be competition we have to balance every step so we are also very busy uh, trying to to work out this scheme so this is actually not a traditional role but we help out the government in doing this. And we consider this a very meaningful job because we are also helping to to improve the infrastructure to the more remote areas of Hong Kong so that once the infrastructure is there, there other services can come in, including 5G services in future. If we jump forward two years, what do you want to be able to say that the regulator has accomplished? I would like to say that the, the industry and us as a regulator, they're working hand in hand to provide, to embrace the 5G era and can bring real benefits to both the business world and the consumers. That is what we want to achieve in the ultimate end. As a relatively new regulator, what's been your greatest challenge and your greatest learning experience? For me, the greatest challenge over the last year is the pace is so quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, everybody's chasing after us. When will the spectrum be available? What are the, uh, everybody's excited about the potential benefits and business opportunities which 5G can bring, although everybody is trying to figure out exactly what is the business case. So I think our greatest challenge is that we'll make sure that the infrastructure is there, we'll make sure the spectrum is there on different optimum mix of different frequency bands so that the operators, we believe the private sector, the operators, they know the best about what to offer and what is what they can do. To, to bring to the consumers. So we want to provide all those infrastructure and we want to facilitate them in building up the infrastructure. So this is the challenge which we are facing every day. And also in identifying spectrum because all of them, they are already being used by some other persons. So we have to discuss with them, um, trying to advocate or trying to introduce measures or mitigation measures to ensure they can coexist. So this is also one of the the challenges which we are facing on a daily basis. Agnes Wong, thank you very much. Thank you for coming. That's it from Smart Pacific. Show notes are available on the PTC website at ptc.org. Check them out. Thanks for listening. PTC is the premier global nonprofit membership organization promoting ICT in the Pacific Rim. Get involved in the world's most dynamic ICT region. Join PTC today. Participate in PTC seminars and conferences. 
engage in PTC research programs, make web contributions to PTC outreach, share our dialogue and these PTC podcasts, help us by rating them on iTunes. For more information about what PTC can do for you, see ptc.org.